I didn't know how to deal with feeling like I was a problem and I felt pain inside and I remember thinking that if I just wasn't living, I wouldn't feel this pain. Real life starts now. This is Real Life Radio Show with On Lay. I felt alone. I felt lost. I felt scared. Real stories. I was so desperate in living such a dark and callous life. Real people. I was thinking there was no purpose for my life. There's no reason for me to be here. Real problems. I told my dad, if you try to take these drugs, I'm going to kill you. One solution, God. Hope is a person, and his name is Jesus. And now your host, On Lay. Hi, this is Evangelist On Lay. Welcome to the Real Life Radio Show, where we're going to talk to real people who had real problems, but they found answers in a real God. Today, we're going to talk about mental illness and the mental anguish someone can go through to the point of wanting to commit suicide. This show is intended for a mature audience, so listener discretion is advised. Now, mental illness can be a very difficult thing for people to deal with in their lives, and 26% of Americans deal with some sort of mental illness at one time in their life. Today on our show, we'll have Millie Joy Radosti, who dealt with a lot of mental illness growing up as a child. She began cutting herself and had thoughts of suicide as she grew up. She's going to talk about her dark journey, but then she's going to talk about how she found relief in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Millie, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Millie, thanks so much for joining us today. So I understand that your childhood had a lot of abuse as you're growing up. Tell us about how you felt on the inside and the torture you were going through throughout your young years. Well, I felt always from a young age like I was a problem. And I didn't know how to deal with feeling like I was a problem. And I felt pain inside and I couldn't put that tangibly into words. I remember thinking that if I just wasn't living, I wouldn't feel this pain. And in my young mind, that's the simplest equation I could come up with. So I remember feeling like if I wasn't living, this pain would be gone. I remember thinking that the only thing that's making me alive right now is my breath. And so I remember just as young as seven years old thinking, if I hold my breath, I won't live. And then this pain will be gone. And I remember just sitting in my bed trying to hold my breath as long as I could so that my life would no longer continue. And I would usually just pass out crying and go to sleep or something like that. But it all started very young for me like that. Mm, Gosh, that is horrible. I mean, that you were going through these thoughts as a seven-year-old. Think, gosh, I understand that as the abuse continued throughout your life, which we aren't mentioning in detail, you started to cut yourself at the age of 13. Tell us about that. Yeah, I remember finding a razor and it was like this knowledge I don't remember seeing it anywhere. Like I had seen scary movies and different things, but I don't remember ever seeing someone actually injure themselves. But when I had this razor in my hand, like just this knowledge came that I could hurt myself. And the first time I did it, I remember thinking, wow, this is pain. This is pain that I control for the first time. Instead of all this pain I felt inside that I couldn't control. And, you know, it was a mixture of like pain and numbness. And I remember feeling like it was such a strong, powerful, sharp feeling that like I could control. And uh, it was very gruesome, very dark place. It was just like another world for me. Very unhealthy. Mm, That is unhealthy. I understand that you're cutting yourself because it was the only feeling you could have because the abuse made you so numb emotionally inside. Is that correct? Yes, in one sense. And in another sense, I felt like I was in such a dark bondage that that was the only kind of feeling I could have. 
Mm, I'm so sorry you're going through this. I know there are some who can relate to that of what you're going through. I understand that this became evident and you started getting diagnosed with all types of mental disorders. Can you tell us more about that? Yes. I started self-injuring around the age of 13 and became completely obsessed with death and suicide around those ages. And I feel like, you know, I was developing these feelings all through my childhood. But when I came to the ages of like 13 and 14, I became more aware that I could do something about it. Mm -hmm. And that like, what am I going to do about it? And it put me on this fork in the road between, you know, was I just going to let it overcome me and become a shell or was I going to become powerful in some way? And I felt like the only way I could become powerful was through self-injury and having this secret world where I at least felt something and where I had my own secrets kind of thing. And I remember this like progressing until the age of 14, where I did have an encounter with Jesus, but I still was living in the abuse at home and the atmosphere and just not healed. I hadn't walked through my healing yet, hadn't received it, and I didn't really know how to. And so things progressively got worse with the self-injury and everything until the age of 19 when I reached out for help to someone. Wow. But I understand that at the age of 14, you were invited to a church And you experienced something that brought you some relief to all of this. Like you felt for the first time in a long time, something different. What was it that you felt? Well, I try not to cry when I talk about this, but it was like the first time I ever felt, I felt this warmth and it was like, I knew like the same way I somehow knew that I could injure myself with the razor. I knew that the warmth I was feeling at that moment was the love of a father. Mm. And I remember thinking, this is what this is like. And then I didn't have like words for it. I just kind of knew this. And then the pastor gives an altar call to front and saying, this is the love of God. This is the love of Jesus. Do you want to accept him? And, you know, I couldn't run up to the altar fast enough, really. And I just remember feeling that for the first time and just being like, I'm abandoned to this. You know, I didn't feel worthy or anything, but I knew that he was real. And I knew that he was there with me and that there was a father that loved me. Wow. And you are loved by our Heavenly Father, Millie. That is amazing how God brought back something to life in you, that you had to go back to the abuse in your life so your circumstances didn't change. But at this point, at least you experienced the love of God. So I understand you are dealing with borderline personality disorder, bipolar and depression, and psychotic episodes. I understand that it all started coming to a head. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, well... I became super codependent on a leader in my life, and I don't think the leader or I realized the depths of brokenness I had reached. And, you know, this person became like Jesus to me to the point where I was codependent completely, to the point where I didn't think I could live without this person. And they ended up reaching out to, you know, the local authorities and taking me in. And that's when I got admitted to my first mental health institution. And the first time I walked in, I remember all the protocols and the blood checks and everything They were, you know, examining everything about me. I remember walking through the hall thinking about all Hollywood portrayed about mental health and mental illness and thinking, I'm actually crazy now. There's no way to come back from this. I'll never be normal again, no matter how I try to hide it. It's in my records. I'm crazy and I'll never just be a normal person again. I'll never lead a normal life. And from there, they started to, you know, examine me. The first day at a mental health institution is three to five days. My first day was two months. Oh, wow. It is so sad to hear that you're going through abuse, but it was coming out all on you. Like, 
That's horrible. Let's stop there. I want to have you on our next show. I understand that you experienced powerful freedom through faith in Jesus Christ later on in your life. And I want to hear about that. So thanks so much for sharing your testimony, Millie. And we'll talk to you more on our next show. Thank you. Hold tight. The show isn't over yet. Let's talk more about this right after the break. Hey, everyone. As an evangelist, I'm really into changing people's lives with a powerful message of the cross. Do you know people are getting set free from drugs, addictions, and internal anguish by the power of the Holy Spirit working through our show? Will you ask the Holy Spirit if He wants you to partner with us financially? Every donation will help us to reach 1 million more people. Think of it. 30 people giving $100 a month will bring this show in front of 1 million more people. Will you help me to get to one more city in the U.S.? You can give by going to awakenthenations.com. Real Life Radio is a ministry of Awakening the Nations, a 501c3 nonprofit organization that depends on your donations. If you would like to find out more about Awakening the Nations or make a tax-deductible donation, please visit our website at awakeningthenations.com or call us at 877-480-4477. That's awakeningthenations.com or 877-480-4477. More real life starts now. Welcome back to the show where we're going to go deeper into what you just heard. So what do you think about this? What I think... I'm not, you know, want to mess with you here, but I think mental illness seriously is horrible. It's one of those things that doctors say that if you have it, you have it. And the only way to get out of it is therapy and drugs. And for some, you'll never be free from it. That's what they say. Now, I'm not saying that those things don't help. They may help. But mental illness is a scary topic for some, or actually for many, especially those who deal with mental illness. What drives mental illness? Why does it even exist? And how are we supposed to respond to it? Ancient scriptures say something really bold about mental illnesses, and I think it will give us a deeper clue to what could be going on. It's written in Deuteronomy 28. It's a scripture that's in response to disobeying the commandments of the Lord. It says in 28, The Lord will strike you with madness and blindness and confusion of heart. This is in response to the people of God and warning them that if they disobey God's commandments, then this is one of the resulting things that will happen. Now, some will go through mental illness simply because they may have been born with it. But there are some that go through madness and blindness and confusion of heart because it is a natural consequence to being under the curse listed in Deuteronomy chapter 28. But there is a way to break free from this curse. There is a way to cause a blessing to happen where the curse is. And this is to have someone break the curse. But only one can do that according to ancient scriptures. In Galatians 3, 13, 14, it is written, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Listen, if you're under that original curse, You can be set free by giving your life to Christ. He took the curse so you can have a blessing. You see, if you know that you're going through madness, confusion, and all those things, and you look at your life and you're like, gosh, there's been a lot of bad decisions that have caused a lot of anxiety, a lot of worry, and that funneled into depression, and then depression funneled into this and that, and suicidal thoughts, and I know it can get bad. And, you know, there's also a spiritual component to all of this. And I'm not saying that there's not a physical component to this. Some people just have these chemical imbalances. But I'm telling you here now, I believe 
that my Jesus has the power to heal you. And you are to seek for that, not act like you're healed and then, you know, not be healed. Just like as if you had a broken elbow, if your mind and your heart is broken, it needs to get fixed. It is the most important thing to life. Broken bones and all those things, they heal. But broken minds, sometimes it just gets worse to worse to worse. Where are you at with this? Are you feel like you're driven and you have this ailment? I know there's someone who's listening and is saying, gosh, I deal with mental illness and I don't know where it's from. I don't know how to get set free, but I want freedom from this. So Father God, as Millie Radosti is sharing with us, I want to lift you up in prayer, my friend. So Father God, I pray for my friend who's dealing with mental illness. And I'm praying right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you would bring that supernatural healing, just like you healed people physically. I pray that you would heal them mentally even right now in Jesus' name. And if there's someone who's saying, gosh, God, I have sinned against you. I've lived a life apart from you. Lord Jesus, we receive you into our lives, Lord, so that we can obey you. We ask for this in Jesus' mighty name, and we receive you, Jesus, and we'll follow you all the days of our life. I hope you're blessed by this testimony, and I know that your life was touched. If you have a testimony to share or know someone who does and would like to share it on our show, go to AwakeningTheNations.com and click Guest Audition on the top menu. See you next time.